0: This is Chaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome to another episode of Chaco Art Speak. I'm here with Dr. Gareth Blackwell. Hey, what's up, Blackwell? Dr. Blackwell. And we were just talking, and we don't have a title for this uh, um, for this episode as of yet. But Dr. Blackwell is a title wizard. He's a wizard with titles. And just so you know, whenever you read anything on Chaco Art Speak's website. Or Instagram, or um, uh, what do you call that? iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Any, any of the the summaries, the captions, any of that. That's all from the brilliant, ingenious mind the ingenious mind of Dr. Snacksmell. You're far, he,
1: you're far too kind,
0: right? Yeah, he's a title wizard. So what I told him was, we have this idea that we want to talk about that we feel like is relevant, but the title is eluding us to kind of give us a summary. So I just I just decided I'd let, I'd out Gareth and let everybody know that he is the wizard. So the, <laughs> put, put the pressure on I'm me. putting the pressure on him. So now you're going to really zoom in on Gareth's uh, title work. And so... Um, yeah,
1: preemptive sorry if it sucks.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can blame it on me. Um, and so... One of the things we're thinking about is it's, it's sort of almost like the experience if you ever cooked for somebody, you know, the the prep to get the meal cooked um, is disproportionate to the time it takes to consume it in many ways. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, so something about that interplay between the amount of work, you know, like I had posed a question. We were having a conversation this week with some friends from our team. And, and so it was saying like how many hours and dollars go into making a film and – we sit down for you know at most two hours, two and a half hours at most mm-hmm. to see that movie. There's there is something disproportionate in the kind of time it takes to make something, oftentimes, and to the time it takes to consume it, be enriched by it, impacted by it, shaped by it. And I think that's a wor- that's a worthwhile topic, even if it's a short one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think how this ties in in, in my experiences, I've seen plenty of artists. Um, Go through depression after a show and hmm. you know, spend two years making the show. The opening happens, and there's a melancholy, a thick fog that kind of descends on them. It's like the lifespan of the pra- the process is over. and even with people's best, most excited feedback, it feels like something's left for want in that. you know. Yeah, I think the same
1: thing happens. I think that's the uh, the the post art school slump too right Mm -hmm. like you get done and you've you spent like years just Mm -hmm. doing this stuff and there's been a a highly pressurized environment and then you kind of have that well what what now yeah like what do i do with all of this um yeah you know it's it's, as you were thinking i thought also of like an earthquake how many thousands of years it takes those plates to move into this position and then there's that instantaneous kind of thing that happens um And it has huge repercussions Mm -hmm. over the next amount of time. Right. Um, But you don't always know where you're going to go from there. Yeah. Don't always know how it's going to shake out or how it's going to work. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't don't know. It's like um, the place I'm kind of landing is like, is it more of that space of the like, where do we go from here? Is it that we don't have a really good understanding of like how, like of the actual lifespan of a work of art? Mm-hmm. Um, or do we not fully understand like what the totality of our jobs as artists and designers is, or is it mm-hmm. all three?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I guess where the way I've been thinking about it is, um, there is a gift giving aspect to it. Mm, yeah, yeah, And so, um, When you give a gift, the best gifts are given without conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's nothing worse than Uncle Larry giving (laughs) you his saw, but then reminding you for the rest of your life that he gave you his saw. Yeah, dang it! You're sort of weirdly indebted to Uncle Larry. You know what I mean? Like it's like that. There's there's those kind of gift givers are like, hey remember when I got you that $15 book, you still reading that thing, you know? And it's like, it's a book. I read it. I'm done with it. Yeah. I pass it on. Or like, it's like, there's like, right. there's an, a, there's some kind of expectation loaded into uh, the gift that's been given. So the exchange is conditioned. And um, you know, I think it's tr- It's tricky to care about what you do in one affirmation and feedback. Like I've been thinking about affirmation lately. And I think a lot of times we want proportional affirmation to the, proportionate amount of work we've put in, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And so then, and so, but but that's not the conditions of the work that we've made as a work, let's say like the work might have its own conceptual framework. It may, it may be dealing in certain effects, certain ideas, certain moods, tones, whatever it is, narratives, allegory that are particular and therefore, you know, produce a particular result in someone or they have their responses and so there's something that it doesn't translate from the response of the viewer um, because it's translated to the work and not necessarily to the artist. Mm. And so it's, all, it's sort of like perpetually looking for affirmation and kind of missing it because the nature of the communication we're delving in doesn't set up direct affirmation.
1: No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think about that, like, you know, the, the work that we create, um, yeah, I, I think like you're talking about, we kind of want to feel like it's an extension of ourselves. Right. But it's, but it's not right. It's right. an effect of ourselves. Yeah. 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 Um, I know. mean, I
0: know the sentiment, the sentiment is it's in, I think, uh, so, uh, a dear, uh, mentor of mine and, uh, David, David Wetzel passed away, uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people are memorializing and eulogizing and, and saying, you know, just thoughtful things because he was, uh, wonderful person and, you know, dearly miss, amazing artist. Uh, one of the best artists you never, you never heard of possibly that you should know about. Um, And in that, you know, people are saying things like, well, the work is an extension of him. Mm. And I know what they mean by that. Oh yeah. And I wouldn't push against it too hard, but um it is, and it isn't, you know right. what I mean? I think that's the weirdness of it. It's, 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 there's a sense where it's not too, like, I know that's dicey, but, um, well, I think, I mean, like, the, the way I make sense of it best
1: is, like, it's the same way, like, uh, you know, with my kids. You know, my, my kids, like, they, they could not have happened without me. Correct. But at the same time, they're not me.
0: Yeah, they're and, not you.
1: And, and also, like, if, if I'm being honest, I don't want them to be me. No. I want them to be my kids. Yep. I want them to be the people that they're going to be. That's right. Uh, with their interests, with uh, with their intricacies, because I want them to have relationships with other people. hmm not for other people to be like, oh, I'm having a relationship with you because you you remind me of your dad. Yeah. Like, that's just weird. Yeah, like you put totally. in that situation, you're like, that's super creepy, yep. weird sounding. Um, but we do that with the work we make. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I, I and also just as a as a viewer within an, uh, an exhibition space, museum, gallery, whatever it is, I don't think I've ever looked at a piece of art and been like, man, looking at this piece of art makes me want to have a deep relationship with the artist. Mm-hmm. Because there is that separation, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there might be things I want to ask the artist or it'd be cool to have coffee with them and talk mm-hmm. about some stuff. But the art doesn't push me to the artist. It should push me to something else. Like yeah. that's my experience as a viewer with yeah, the gallery. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and, and I think you have, I mean, and I think I, I, I actually tend to believe that I think the best art points away from the artist more than towards it. Yeah, I um, I'd agree with that. You know, at least in my mind. And I think sometimes when you get a dense accumulation of, of work, you want more personal contact with the mind behind these things that are that are pushing out there. So, you know, like, I remember being like, so I remember when I, gosh, man, like 99, 2000, 2001, whatever it was, there was um, um first time I heard Seven Swans, which was a Sufjan, Sufjan Stevens album, way yeah, early, yeah. way early. And, and then I was in a community that happened to have uh, friends that actually – we uh, were friends of his mm-hmm. and the opportunity was there to meet him. I was in California. And so, um, you know, there's a part of me. that was like, that'd be really cool as an artist. Like, and I love this guy's music. Like a lot of people did or do. Um, and so I was pretty geeked up, but there's a part of me that was like, it's weird though. Like I don't necessarily want to be his friend mm-hmm. because like, if it happened that way, sure. Like if we were right. already living in the same place, we just happened. But to meet on the condition of those terms, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, and so I guess there's the thing where you kind of, you grow interested. You want to know more about the maker, but you're not necessarily always. Yeah. It's, that's not the chief end. The chief end is that the, what the work sort of does and what it, what it amounts to, even if it just points to itself as a miniature end, mm-hmm. you know, in and of itself. Um, you know, so there's something in there. I mean, I, I think, I think, um, you know, we would like to look back at biographies. I love, I love, Past tense discussions on artists, and mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I have friends that are artists, so of course, like I get to know people, and you're like, oh, I love your paintings. We're just meeting, you're a cool person, but um, so that stuff happens. We I mean, we we're the place that talks about know and be known, but like at that really really deep level of what are we expecting from the work, and the proportional amount of time it takes to make it, and then to just to like let it go. That a glance from a, a patron is all they may give and it may be a significant patron yeah. and that glance is somehow equal to or more than the work you made is a, is a strange proposition, a strange thought. But I think that some of it has to do with just, um, you know, we've talked about in the past, but the clear intentions, but also, um, um, translating, translating the work into a space where it's no longer yours.
1: Yeah. And that's, and I mean, that's tough. Yeah. I
0: mean, like, you don't... That's what people spend, mean when they say it stands on its own.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, you know, spending that much time with something, it's hard to let it go, um, you know, because you want to kind of direct its life. You want to make sure it's in the right place, you know, and, um, and you know, there's plenty of artists. I mean, uh, you know, at the, the past uh, current art fair this year, we had a piece that was sold, um, and the artist who made the piece actually went to the home of the person buying it to yep. make sure that it, it could hold the space well. You know, and there's there's fantastic, like really wonderful, very uh, you know, uh, polite and respectful sort of things like that. Um, but to to believe that like that means that it's still that artist piece, yeah. That they still have say over it, right? Um, and 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 the thing about this, I think that is hard for us both to talk about is this is not something that we talk about, but yeah. it's something that we kind of like innately feel sure about the work we make yeah I mean Uh-oh. we feel
0: it I mean it's funny that 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 was Brian Barr and he that piece went into a pretty cool collector's collection and yeah. and Brian Barr there was a Rauschenberg and a Jim Dine painting and so <laughs> yeah he moved his Rauschenberg so like Brian replaced Rauschenberg and so we <laughs> joked about it we we're like oh my gosh this is amazing you're in this like room with these two these two you know legends and um it was fun to fantasize about for a second. But at the end of the day, Brian's not in that room, nor is Jim yeah. Dine or Robert Rauschenberg in that sense, although they are nodes or plot points. Like, they trace back to these, these, these makers. But um, I'm, sure, I'm sure Brian doesn't think about that as much as, you know, like I'm sure he's not burdened by, I wonder how my painting's doing today. Yeah. Like, I have paintings in a public space in Capital One, and that's a weird thought for me. Like I know where they're at. Like yeah. I haven't been permitted to be in there, but I know where they're at and I know there's a big one. And I'm like, I have a hard time believing that this thing is just sitting there unassumingly eight foot painting, just sitting in this, yeah, this space, this hub. Um, but I've had the benefit of a lot of people collecting my work and I'm very thankful, but I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not like worried about it now. It's like, mm-hmm. it's out of my hands. It's yeah. almost strange when you see your work in someone's house because then you're like, or in a collection, because then you're like, I made that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes actually what's really weird is you can't remember how you made it. Um, it's that that removed. But here's what I guess, here's what I would want to say is the pivot. This is what I mean by the disproportionality is partly an issue of our expectation. Mm. Um, um, I am not able to determine the rest of the lifespan of the work that's yeah. that's in the hands of, of someone else and I'm unless I'm close friends with that person, I'm not going to really be able to know that mm-hmm. And so I have to give the gift without conditions. You can give it with conditions you can sell I mean don't get me wrong I'm not saying you don't sell your work, you don't sign contracts you don't I'm right. saying but at an emotional level, um, this painting could probably live some of these paintings may live on a lot longer than myself. Um, And I will not get to live the actual hours and time that it takes to sort of like equate the two, you know, I won't be able to uh, balance the scales in that sense. And so um, I think what that drives me further into is um, the process of making and then the habit of letting go the habit of, you know, and I found that as the habit grows, it's easier to do. You know, even with our film, like, you know, it's easier for for me to let people see the film the more people see it. Right, right. Because I, I realize that it's not really mine anymore. It's not ours anymore. It's not, you know, it's not Nick's. It's not yours. It's like, it's it's um, it gets to be talked about and thought about from people that are entitled to a totally different opinions than what than what we thought about it, you know?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I was speaking to one of the artists that we're going to be showing in the next opening uh, today. And he was uh, talking about things and, you know, just asking a few questions about what was coming up. And I said, you know, um, I, said, I told him, I said, we don't have any uh, concerns, I, I think, with this with this next group of artists because, uh, you know, sometimes you can find an artist who, um, you know, has, has a, a lot of very highly, deeply ingrained opinions about how their work should be in every aspect. I said, and that can be hard when you're going up against a curator or a gallerist mm-hmm. because – like the, the painter's job is to paint, so to speak,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the gallerist's job is to do the gallery. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard when when there isn't a proper kind of respect for letting go of the work and assuming yep. the work. It's, yeah. it's hard for that relationship to flourish. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, that, that's just one example. Sure. That we may be able to understand very uh, very easily, but I think it's the same sort of thing when we talk about uh, an artist with potential collectors yeah. or patrons. Right, right. Um, you know, like, um, I think we probably get a romanticized views, uh, romanticized view of some of the things we might hear in art school where so-and-so had this long-term relationship with so-and-so, and they were always putting things into their collection and pushing them to other collectors. Um, but that's rare. Yeah, right? it's not it's not
0: happening. I mean, so my question is, like, what do you do, you know, what are you doing when you really dig? I don't know. I've got some things where it's like, I would rather, I mean, I got a couple of paintings where I'm like, yeah, I'm not letting anybody have that. Yeah. You know, so what do you do when you make something and it's intended for others, but you're like, dang it. I, I, I've sold something that I've sold my favorite painting.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And I still, I I actually confess that I actually worry about its lifespan and where it should, should be ultimately <laughs> whose hands it should be in. And I also dread the idea that I may have to buy it back one day for a lot more than I sold it. <laughs> I was going to say, this at least <laughs> makes me feel good to know that it's not the painting in my house. No, <laughs> I um, love the painting in your house, but it's not that painting. Um,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's tough. Uh, you know, how do you kind of let go of these yeah. things that are your babies in a lot of ways? Um, I mean, especially if it's a piece that you struggled with over time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um,
0: or it's an, uh, let me put it the other way. For me, I, I'm just being honest. It's like I struggled with painting for a long time and finally made one that wasn't a struggle. It, oh, di- it just, yeah. it came together. And you know that, so you're like, oh, that's what I've been, this is like what I've been working towards in like 100 paintings, and I got it in one. Yeah, which is just like so. There's a rarity to that. I haven't made one quite like it since. So I I knew it then, and I know it now. Mm-hmm. And you can't really like guarantee those things. They're not they're not a guarantee. So so it it holds. There's a couple that hold a prominence because you're like, oh yeah, like that was some weird headspace that was like dialed in, and you may not get that again. You know, and so you know that. So you're like, gosh, you you know the. Te- I guess for me, it's like you want someone to really appreciate that when it comes to that. Yeah. So there might be artists that are just able to make it a higher volume with those same feelings about that work and that than, than I, mm-hmm. which compounds the problem that we're talking about. You know, yeah, no, I mean it's
1: you know it's tough because like you're talking about like the emotional investment from your side, right? And that there's like a desire for that to be reciprocated. Yep. On the receiving end of it. Um, but then, like, I don't know, maybe even flip that question on its head. Then then what do we say about paintings that you're just like, yeah, I don't have any problems selling this one. Right. But the person that gets it has a high emotional value to it. Totally. A high connective value to it. I mean, like, there's, like, I have pieces of art in my collection in our home that is very much, uh, some of the pieces, like, I don't know that I like anymore. Mm. But I really love what they are.
0: Yeah, no, I think that, that I think those things happen too. I think you move in and out of. Um,
1: I mean, it's like like in your it's it's like love, having the love affair with that junker first car you had. Totally, if you could find it and get it and bring it back home, yeah. the big old bucket of rust yeah, garbage back. it is. Yeah, there's something that ties you to it. That's how I feel about some. Sure, very few pieces of work yeah, that I have.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I we love our ever expanding art collection, and it's it is a mixed bag for sure. I feel like we're unraveling our own point. Because we're like, yeah, but still, it's hard. I mean, no, I think <laughs> like it's, you know, it's, it's, hard.
1: It's a, you know, like sharing this, like it is kind of tough to work through. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think there's some things where, um, I don't know, agency is the wrong word, but I think it's helpful for your work to have that in the world on its own. Right. I, yeah,
0: man, I definitely think there's something pretty special about being able to be at peace to just let things go, I guess. I mean, I've really been on the stingier side of that for a long time. So I've only known that later in my own life to this point. So I've got plenty of things that are just sitting in my garage. They're yeah. wrapped up that I don't know, you know, probably nobody will ever see. Um, And now I'm, I'm much more free to, to kind of, I guess, I think I'm free to let people have it. If, if, if that time comes, cause I like the idea of, I think also like mortality, your own mortality starts to, to break into the equation and you're like, yeah, um, what are these for? If it's like for yourself, is just too short. It's too small of a. Um, it, it's just too too short of a too short sighted for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. It it um the book the great books you you relish you know like if I see Treasure Island, mm-hmm. I mean, the author could have known to what extent Treasure Island would be this treasured thing mm-hmm. that always elicits a little bit of magic for a. a percentage of kids Mm -hmm. or even adults that are nostalgic for being kids like that whole that whole picture and you're like that's the gift of it man it's like that that's the way it's the way something can get passed down you know my grandfather um, passed some years ago and and then my uh, uncle passed recently that he had the house and so my other uncle is going through the house in Venice Beach and sending me pictures of paintings and my grandpa had paintings from the 1870s and 1880s he's sending them to me and going, what's this what's that and you're like man that's all stuff my grandpa treasured Mm-hmm. and then my grandpa's paintings and so um and it's like you know we're talking about maybe do we do a show with these do we make a book do we because mm-hmm. he's this kind of like folk artist no one ever heard of and he made hundreds of paintings and so and then my uncle Jeff is like you know we got to do this for grandpa and I agree I, I said that to him as a kid very you know many times in my own desire to be an artist because he always wanted to be and just didn't have the same breaks so um I look at those things and I'm like, but he, you know, he, he doesn't know. He has no idea. Like, yeah. And it's weird to be like, this is a, in a totally different set of hands. And the truth is he didn't want anybody to see him. You know what I mean? Like he just did them for himself. Mm -hmm. And so now we're looking at all this work and it's like, it seems to, to my eye that there probably is an audience for an appreciation for it. And it may be the appreciation he was too afraid Mm. that he wouldn't get. So he didn't want to try. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know? I mean, you
1: know, because the the other thing is like the other side of that appreciation as a disdain. Yeah, right. So I think that's you know we have that fear of like if I let this out into the world and let it just be its own thing, I could find out that people don't like it. Right. I could find right. out that people don't treasure it. That they're you know it's behind a bookcase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's 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 propping up the the bad leg of the
0: sofa. Yeah. Right. Instead of being where it needs to be, and I mean I think there's a legitimate fear there. Sure. I got a painting in someone's garage that I know of. I'd love to have the painting back because I just don't. It's better in my hands than it is as a gift that I gave them, you know, yeah. that they just got sitting in a garage collecting dust. I mean, you know, my prescription for folks is contrary to a lot of times what we as artists fight for, because I've definitely fought and advocated hard for people paying a fair price for a work of art and mm-hmm. not constantly, not constantly asking for things for free from artists is the most, it's like constantly asking uh, for food and cash from poor people. It's, yeah. it's crazy. But in your own hands, I think, as artists, not when someone's asking, but because I think every artist should probably give a couple things away yeah. to people, yeah. some things, and do it with something you kind of care about. I think it's. I think go go through the process of doing it. Yeah. I think it's really worth it. I've done it. It 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 was part of what catalyzed the change in me. I had to just give some stuff away, just give it away. Like, hey, I want you to have this, huh? And then and then it just um allowed me to process that post making post importance that affirmation all of those yeah. questions just kind of uh, started to dissipate a little bit and what was interesting is like that was the seed that stoked the interest of people saying well could I buy something from you like or could I how could I get one of your paint your paintings or yeah. you know it was through the generosity of giving first you know just understanding it as a gift let someone else live with it let them have their own experiences with it and um, seems really practical. It's like you make a song so someone can hear it. But, you know, as we've talked about in the past, like the fine arts or visual arts or, you know, I mean, and this is true too of like projects. I mean, that's one thing about the builder is that I loved about about Don getting to know Don over the years. It's like this guy, these guys, they make these amazing homes. Yeah. They they take things that are a hundred years old and make them look fresh and new and they do intimate like care to the, the building and then they just move on like nothing ever happened. And, and like, I remember talking with Don this is not in the film, but it's adjacent to like, you know, we were just talking like about driving to the city and it's like, how many buildings have you done here in this Richmond area? And he's like, Oh my gosh, I can't even count. Yeah. So the idea that your work is just sort of all over the cathedral, that is the city of Richmond, if you will, mm-hmm. that your labor is embedded in the strata of the city. I mean, there's a, like how many plumbers have done the plumbing so you can sing in the shower and you, yeah. you'll never know the plumber's name. What a gift, right? Yeah, that's real. What a gift. And I think that if art in that ordinary lane starts to land that way, it's exciting to think about the way it can function as a gift for, for eyes that you'll never know, that'll never know you, but they'll they'll enjoy the gift you've given them. You know, they'll be impacted by it, influenced by it. You know, some kid might see it and want to become a painter one day or an illustrator. You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: Yeah, I think it's really tough to, I mean, um, it's really tough to judge the life of an object that uh, to be honest, like you don't have any say over, you know what I mean? That's the like, big, that's the big part. And, and, uh, I think that's the thing. The I say
0: think, is in the making.
1: Yeah. I mean like, <laughs> and so I think it's one of those things where almost like, um, I mean, I, I love that you're using the word that you've used gift several times. Uh, Cause if we think about it that way, it actually becomes a little more helpful. I think to think about it. Cause like, you know, um, if I want somebody to really appreciate a gift, then it. Then I have to actually take the time to think about it. Mm-hmm. What is this about? What yeah. is it for? What is it like? Yeah. A
0: good gift is 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 poured over as far as like yeah. it's thoughtful. It has an audience in mind, mm-hmm. and 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 the assumption is the gift is going to live in the hands of that particular audience, that right. person, the you know, and so you're you know, it's the most exciting when you nail it, but it's you know, so as the artist, the designer, you're nailing the work first. That's the thing. You get yeah. that down. And then, and then you let it go, Um, and it is, it is. I think the economy of time. I think it is, it is hard to live with. Um, I think, I think I always go back to, and we've talked about this so much, but it's just always worth hitting, especially right now. Like you brought up, you know, something we may talk about later, but just like you know, how awkward the time is to still be locked away in our homes, and and, um, in many ways, and um, I think we can see that there's so much to do that we may be able to do and it's difficult to, to deal with the fact that we can't do it all. Yeah. You know, and so when you really start to labor over a few things, you realize that this is what requires for those few things to occur and it means there's 20, 30 other things you're, you're not going to do in your lifetime possibly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that gets into consequence, you know, that there's a consequence to living. There's a consequence to decisions you make and not just like, you know, disciplining, you know, when you're a kid getting disciplined, but I mean like every choice you make brings with it consequences because yeah. you're here. You're not somewhere else. Yeah. I know? was actually going to say that. Like if, if you're as an artist, if we are way too
1: invested in the life of our work, after we've created it, it means that we can't be invested in the part where we're making more of it. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, you starts know, to bog down. There's something that just like, yeah. you know, we're, we're temporal. So we cannot, we can't be in all these places at one time. Right. We can't have our mind in a million different places. Um, and if the draw and the pull is to be an artist, to be a creator and a maker, uh, then we should be about that business, yeah, right? And let the other business be for the collectors and the patrons
0: yeah, um, in different
1: yeah, yeah. ways. And I don't say that in like a snarky, stark way. I just mean that in a way where I, I think that sometimes I could be in a place where I say, oh, well, I need to worry so much about this that I'm justifying maybe my
0: procrastination to jump back in and start another one. Sure, line. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's tough too because you know I've I've painted over old paintings. I've had paintings sit for a decade and then painted back into them. You know you, there are things you make where you know where you don't want anybody to see it. But um, I just wonder if, if the world would be a better place if if more of the st- our B sides were out there in the world. Like because not everybody is operating at the same level of criticality and awareness as you about your work. And so that's what I'm saying. I just wonder if if we gave a little more, we'd make more space for what's coming new. And it would keep the engine rolling, you know the the. Yeah. And because there's people that are highly industrious that I think are you know there's plenty of artists that actually don't have this problem at all. Right. Right. And I mean to the point where they're almost the opposite, where you're like, hey, don't you care at all? <laughs> you're a machine that you don't even seem to. I, so I mean, I think I think there's something in that humanness that you don't want to lose, ideally. Um. But I do think it's worth ass- assessing that. Disproportionality with what it takes to make things. I think, I think to say, to understand in our day and age what it takes to make things, make a society, make a culture, make a work of art, um, I think we need to understand how significant it is that it is disproportionate to the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It tells us something about the way we probably should live our lives. Hmm. I, I don't exactly know, but it, it tells me that there's something about. The process of making much of the world, that should be the thing that um, we slow and steadily work at and revel in. Like the way you used to have like songs that were made to accompany you while you worked, Mm. you know, work songs. Yeah. Um, That work in and of itself is actually a good thing. Uh, Like pouring yourself out in the labor of your work is actually like maybe one of the more important parts. Yeah, I, I, you know, especially if you're someone that is uh, caught up in the process of making. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, and that gets
1: to a lot of things. I, I, those words seem to ring very true for me. Um, And they've gotten to be more true over time. Like I was getting older, they've just, that is something I would agree with more. Yeah. Um, You know, because I think it also, Brings up some things we've talked about in the past where, you know, are are you interested in being the artist or are you interested in wearing the artist's clothes? Mm -hmm. Um, Because if, if, if the only thing we can like really dig into is the life of our work post work, then, then we're really not about the actual work of, of the artistry or Mm -hmm. designership of what we're doing. Sure. Right. Um, Because, you know, in, in one sense, um, I forget who it was, but somebody, um, I think we were talking to you on the podcast, we asked about something about work and they were like, well, what else is there? Mm-hmm. Like everything you're doing is work. It's just a matter of where your work is going.
0: Right. And what the context is, are you getting paid for it or not? Yeah. I mean, i go so far as to say the practice of doing that. I mean, we, this, this conversation kind of kicked off because it had something to do with a relationship. Yeah. And so it's like, you put in a lot of work for relationships with your friends, your loved ones, you know, with my marriage or your marriage or my mm-hmm. kids or, and you do or don't put in that work. And, it can feel disproportionate to what seems to emerge out of it. Yeah. You know, the temptation is to despair over the proportionality of the work over and against the outcome. But I, I, I don't see an occasion where that's not actually true. Yeah. So it's like, I have to rethink my worldview a little bit yeah, yeah. because I, if I keep trying to push a, you know, a square peg through a, a circle and I keep missing it at some point, I have to stop and look and go, wait, I'm, Something's not sizing up here, yeah, you know, um and I've definitely definitely only kind of come to this with any kind of reasonableness in the last several years, you know, I mean maybe even especially in the last four mm-hmm. you know, so I'll be forty five this year, so we're talking i've I've lived it you know i've I've always been kind of a long game person, um but when it comes to really like letting letting the stuff you do be out there in the world, that part I've always kept secret or, you know, I mean, I, I mean, or originally, you know what yeah. I mean? It's very selective. And so, um, and there's something good about being selective, but there's also a point where you're being too selective, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then before you know it, you're like, um, on the back into your life. Like, I mean, it, it goes quickly. So what are we doing? You know, what are we, what are we making for us? I think it's gotta have purpose. I think I would, I would argue that I think work with purpose is easier to put out in the world than work that is aimless. Yeah. So we talked last week about dehumanizing and humanizing and how uh, the, the the nature of the way in which things come together perpetuates or humanizes others. Um, it, it helps them be more fully what they are or what they should be. Yeah. And the other is true. So where there's confusion, where it breaks, where it fractures, where it, it, it separates uh, in certain ways where it violates, where it, it fractures and, in invites in, in a kind of pseudo unity, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a, a bandaid to it, or, um, you know, the humanizing aspect doesn't necessarily make us quite like each other, but it does further us into the kind of, uh, you know, individuals and collectives that, that I think, uh, ultimately were to be, um, but in that, um, the, well, I lost my train of thought for a second. I was going on to the proportionality, but now I'm forgetting where, where I was headed with that. Shoot, I lost it. Alzheimer moment, I think. <laughs> Dang it. I had it, Gareth. I was going somewhere. It'll come back.
1: Well, I mean, I don't, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to think about because, I mean, really what we're kind of asking folks um, in a lot of ways is to think about letting go of something that hopefully best case scenario outlives you mm-hmm. and has meaning that you had no, and no, no idea what actually happen. Right. Um, right. That, that, and I think, you know, when we hear that there's, there's a pressure that gets placed on it to be like, Oh my gosh, like how, do, what's that going to be like? Um, but I think like with what you're saying and what we've talked about so far, the, like, it's,
0: it's, it's not a
1: pressure, Right. It's, it's a realization to relax back into the work that you desire to do in the first place. Right.
0: That's right. Cause it, so it's the purpose piece so that it's, it's the realization of the purpose. Yeah. So when the purpose is clear, it's easier to get to it, but it's also easier to square with the outcomes. And I'm saying that when art is purpose, I guess like I'm probably at a point where I've been moving, I've been saying this for a long time. Anybody that knows me knows I've been kind of becoming a little more opinionated about art and a little less tolerant of certain things. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that arrogantly. I just mean that I think we're, we talked about last week, I think we're settling for things that actually don't have a accounting for what we should be as people and a purpose. And so the work has no criterion. Mm-hmm. And so when the work is aimless, we are lost to the whims of others and, and, you're even less likely to... It's like playing lottery without any money. Yeah. You're not going to win. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you, you you don't have intention short of a self-expression. Well, then well then what is, is the question, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I think it makes it hard to let that stuff go because the contradiction is you'd like for there to be meaning and purpose and intent to that. Then you're not sure if it actually does or doesn't, and then you're distrusting of the person's response, and it all implodes because it's not the kind of thing you bear out by yourself you don't you know you don't you don't get to know all that stuff you don't like I've said before you don't get to die and be at your own funeral and hear the benefits of other people talk about you and how great yeah. you are yeah. we don't we, we're not permitted that we don't get that mm-hmm. so we don't get that in the in, in many ways we may get a critic review we may get a, a collector that becomes a friend I mean you know a friend may buy your work because they're your friend or they love your art like those things happen but generally speaking that those you know the work is targeted towards something and I think um, there should be stronger conversations around what we make and it's okay if not everybody wants that but I fear what's missing is like this conversation at all is yeah. is not I don't like I see more preservation of personal interest than I do determination to do something that um in the arts like I mean I see people talking about things that need to happen right now in, in a kind of uh, don't get me wrong I know you know, there's a there's huge discussions around this civil unrest and equality, but um, but I also think like there's still a lot to life that's not being accounted for yeah. that would support or contextualize those concerns. They're not you can't be reductive,
1: right? And, I, and you know, and, and what I think what you're kind of um, prodding people into is a is a space where um, you make a work that lasts. Um, so that the the work that you put in uh, assumes the life it will have, mm-hmm. um, instead of hoping in the life it will have. Yeah. Uh, and I think if we do it the other way around, if we if if we just deal in sentiment, if we just deal in um, expressiveness, then what we're doing for most of us, I think, is just doubling down on the disposability of what is there because Mm -hmm. we are only basing our work on things that are highly volatile, Mm -hmm. highly changing, Mm -hmm. um, and very difficult to connect with other people on.
0: Yeah. And then that's the paralyzing piece because it comes back around full circle. It's like, you know, if put it back into that meal language, you go, if you go and I mean, you may really, really love your dog. I know you love your dogs. Yeah. You know, it's a rare person that's going to spend all their money and their time making the most lavish meal for someone who's not going to really know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I've never made a meal for my dogs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some people do Fed my dogs dogs and and I'm okay. Getting my pet a little better than normal or being like eight, but I'm saying with intention, with frequency, it's very rare that folks do that because you get it. You get, um, you get that, there's a value to how much time is put in. But with meals, right. we have a clear intention. And so when mm. when there's clear intention and purpose, yeah. it's easier to rejoice in the way in which it's received by others. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, Especially when you do a good one and you sit down and you're like, you feel good about it. You know what it's supposed to be. They know what it's supposed to be. And then they they, they participate and it confirms what, it's, what it is to their mouth. And then you're like, you sit back and you both go, man, this is so good. I can't, you... You did it, and it's, like, redundant. You've had it before, and you'll have it again, but you're like, this is awesome. I, I wish art was more like that sometimes. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if there's one thing, um, I
1: mean, uh, there may be other things in my life where I feel this way, um, but I always want to go back to a good restaurant, and I always want to go back to a good museum or gallery. Mm-hmm. Like, always. It's, it, yeah. It, like, you know, we we have the benefit here in Richmond of a fantastic museum in the VMFA. Yep. And it doesn't matter. And even with my my daughter, who's only six, like she can go through and we will go through the museum the same way every time and she will point out the same paintings
0: every yep. time and she'll
1: tell me the same things she likes and it is not diminished one bit.
0: Right. It's like a sunset. They keep popping up, but they're still good.
1: And, you know, I I don't have a problem like, like oh, this place has the best burger in town. Well, I'm going to eat that burger every time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Same sort of thing. Yeah. Because that work is there in a way that feels like it had a purpose for existing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That it had a reason for staying beyond the easel of the artist. Yeah, um, because it feels that way, it still resonates. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is there is some sort of like uh, not time based language mm-hmm. that comes across. Sure. Just
0: well, I think it, I think you know I think in a lot of ways I think there's a, I'm going to butcher this, but I think if you put like form, content, and function together, and into the ontology of each kind of thing that, yeah. that is made from a vase to a painting. There's set criterion for those that are general categories. And, and then they're particularly expressed by individuals that come and see it and the nature of the one who made it and so on. And so I do think that um, th- there's a fittedness between what a, a functioning form full of content presents mm-hmm. that can uh, live because it endures against a context that reinforces it. And what I mean by that is a context that's more um, elemental, like yeah. more natural. And I don't mean naturalistic painting is reinforced by the landscape. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's that and a lot more. And so um, I think when form, function, and content are completely divorced, it becomes um, preschool. Scriptive of the audience to project make believe content on top of cuz hmm. cuz yeah, the, yeah. the, the work is not is not clear. And so so it's it's highly situational, which is fine, but then it doesn't last. Yeah. It doesn't last. And it it'll, it'll only last if someone deems the life of the maker important enough to canonize them. And I feel like we're post canon in some ways. I don't I don't know hmm. if we're able to write those stories anymore the same way we're, we're going to see some influx of types of artists, but you know, the reasoning for that will be questionable for many. And you know, we don't, we just don't do canons anymore. We don't, we don't write meta narratives that way. We don't. Yeah. So, so what you're left with is the work, you know? And so like, does the work actually accord? And I think there's something kind of mysterious about the phenomenology of the world around us, the physical nature of the world that when something really is, whether it's abstract or not, you just kind of know it and it allows for you to talk and think about it or not, but it can still resonate you. And then can, you can keep coming back to it. You know what I mean? You can keep coming back to it because yeah. the form and the function and the content are actually the thing, not you. It's not you, it's the thing. And I think that's been so flip flop for so long that works trends live and die and um and and so we've lost some of the crafting the workmanship or the crafting of the work of art it's kind of lost because it, it you become less and less careful about that because it doesn't matter that much to a watching world mm-hmm. and so why labor so long for such a short encounter with someone who moves on you know unless like you said some of these older works put allude to something i think that we should still consider about what we make in the present tense which is you know like for example i had a student have a really big breakthrough on a drawing yeah and i'm like this drawing is good i mean i wish i could just show it to you all but it's so good and such an improvement in such a short amount of time that the drawing they made is good whether i said whether it's a high school kid a senior a freshman or a senior citizen yeah it's just good period and it will be good to people a hundred years from now, it you won't you won't be able to debate it. It's yeah. clear in its intention, and it stands up. And it's like we're so busy deconstructing that which we don't understand, which means how can you deconstruct it? And neglectful of how to actually just make something well. Yeah. Oh man, it's all rolled. Up, you know, it's rolled up in there. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, they say that, you know you go to design school, and the thing
1: that they always make you make is a chair, right? You always build a chair, and w- why do you always build a chair? Well, it's a, it's a mundane thing, but when it's wrong, it's wrong, mm-hmm. and you know it. All right, this chair's wobbly, it makes a creak, it's uncomfortable, it's not shaped right. The ergonomics are off. Makes my butt hurt. <laughs> yes, yeah, so like all yeah. that stuff, right? Um, but there is something about it that points to like, oh, well, no, this chair works, and there is a lot that I can do with it. You know, and I mean, we can, man, we can get so uh, like kind of metaphysical with this. We wanted, I mean, maybe the the biggest area of like kind of weird uh, mystical stuff with the art that I'm maybe comfortable veering into is just like the fact that when when we have this conversation, we have to move to a place where we start talking about like, you know, that the role of the artist or designer in some ways is conduit. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not it is not originator mm-hmm. of uniqueness. Right? Yeah, but there's a there's a conduit nature. Where all of the things that we take in uh, pass through us into what we create and sure. um you know. And, and again, it, it kind of maybe it sounds like super mystical to some folks. Um, like we're harnessing some unknown force. But it's in the
0: DNA, though. We talked about that. Like we heard even someone say, like, there's things that are. Oh, I was at a, a Polyface Farms this Saturday, and you know, the guys considered one of the best farmers in the world, yeah, um, by by a long shot, by everybody. And he was talking about genetic memory. And mm, how that's yeah, like proven it's in there. And so you look at you think about um what are they called when they're they make shoes? The cobblers. cobblers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about something like that and there's repetition of movement and acclimation to context and smell, like everything. And so then you you're you're raising up the next generation of person in that milieu and it's intuitively correct for them. They know how to step in, they fit, it fits. Everything is clear. Yeah. And um there's legacy passed on. I mean well, we all if I could say like In the reverse, a generation or two or three or four that is confused. It's not surprising the genetic memory of the the individuals that are coming up are confused. Yeah. That they're that they're full bloom confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. It's not a
1: surprise that I can't I couldn't make my own pair of shoes. Correct. You know what I'm saying? And that has something to do with the fact that, one, I've never learned, and two, I've never needed to learn mm-hmm. because it was fine for me just to go purchase something from a store. Right. You know, that nobody had to teach me because it was not a necessity anymore. Yeah, yeah. So to do the craft, to to be a part of the world of shoes does not require me to know anything about how to actually make one that's wearable. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, that translates. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, and so, um, I mean... I guess that's maybe one of the things then is like, it's like the craft and not for everybody. This is just something to think about is the pressure of expediency ramps up the need for immediate approval. You don't get it. You're bummed. And so you get back into your studio and then craft feels like, well, what's the point? Because I'm just going to get it quick. Yeah. You know, at best someone's going to say, I like this. And then what? Yeah, you're and you're like, like, like you hit trend or give up. Yeah. And it kind of sucks. It does suck, man. You're like, you want, you want some affirmation. And I think, that's one thing I think I'm wrestling with right now that I'm not sure how to communicate, but is that, does the work itself give you any kind of, um, not ultimate affirmation, but just, um, situational affirmation, situated on that object when it's made well, does it, does it sort of affirm to you? Thank you. Like I, I need to be made well. Yeah. If if not for anything else, because I need to be made well.
1: I mean, I will tell you that, uh, you know, I've, I've built a few chairs and the first time I made one, um, the fact that it stood there, it was flat yeah and it had a good form so it it worked as a chair it looked like a chair Mm -hmm. and its content held enough pleasing visual design to me that i was appreciative of it it hit all those things of form function and content Mm -hmm. that there was something joyful in the fact that it existed Mm -hmm. um i didn't need anybody to sit in it yeah Um, now it was a gift so Mm -hmm. um that was fantastic but um there I think with it, there was something in the making of it in that way, where everything sort of came together into a piece that felt like, oh this this actually hits something,
0: yeah, it's coming together, it's, it's like, like striking together. a chord, it's like striking a chord, and it makes a harmony, and you're like, why why does that accord with my why does that you know why does that resonate? why does that sound good over and against discordant, mm-hmm. where I maybe I have to teach myself to appreciate discordant music like it's interesting. It's like one is working against and one is working towards. You, mm-hmm. you see, so I would put those in the same categories. We're working against, we're working harder into dissonance. I think we're actually working into perpetual dehumanizing. I think I think the world is more together than we want to admit. And yeah. I think that makes us uncomfortable because we're not together mm-hmm. and we don't know where to go with it. And so it brings about confusion, discontentment, and frustration. And so then when you make things, you're torn. Do you make it come together or you make it you know it's like the, the people that incessantly try to make work that's ugly yeah you know without really even conceding that there's beauty or whatever so it's like what what are we after what are we hoping for what are we driving towards and um i just don't think that's neutral you know i would stand behind that i mean i would debate anybody over that like I, i'm okay with people thinking i'm wrong um because i think i'm i'm cool with being you know being wrong but or at least having people think i'm wrong and i'm open to that conversation because it at a minimum should be the one we're having now i think i think we're suffering for not having had this conversation for a solid 40 years well yeah I, deconstructionism I, is is destroying a lot well i'll say it that way
1: yeah and i think you know it's you look at other like just other fields right um, you would look at uh, communication design, you look at uh, user experience design, you look at uh, interior design, urban planning, yep. you look at all of them, and they will tell you that there is a fittedness of how things can work together. Things work well and things work poorly. Right. Um, and so if we insist on putting poorly working things into a system, we will eventually get a poorly working system. Correct. So. You know, if uh, you know, there's there's a, a plenty of anecdotal and research based knowledge in things like urban planning and interior design that say if you want a space to work well, if you want an area, a neighborhood to work well, there's things you do and don't do, mm-hmm. and that is not uh, that is not uh, a, a, a sort of dictatorial arbitrariness, mm-hmm. right? It's based off of. I mean, something. it can
0: be. I mean, it can. I mean, that's be. That's the worst part is when someone knows this in theory but not in practice, and mm-hmm. so they are dictatorial, but. That's the thing is perhaps that's happened, but and perhaps what we've done is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Possibly, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because there are people that don't know, but they they assume to know Mm. in a way that becomes oppressive. Yeah, I I mean, form and function or or medium and message are are incongruent, and so the the uh, message is sentimental, and the medium is like driving home something totally different. The form, you know, all all of that, the shape of it, and uh, I mean that's another reason for slowing down and having these conversations i mean i think that's the thing is is it's in the slowing down and accepting the scale of the process as being part and parcel mm-hmm. and and then and then understanding the gift-giving nature of it how many how many if you're an, a painter how many paintings have you seen from artists that are that are dead that yeah. you love you're so glad they made them right and that they do not get to be there and delight in how delighted you are by them mm-hmm. you know like how many people Philip Gusson died shortly after he made the work that everybody loves. Yeah, he is not, he's not—he's not here to know that. Mm-mm. But I'm thankful that he made the work he made. Most definitely. You know what I mean? So, I'm—I'm you know, I'm trying to get my mind around that so that I'm more generative, more productive. Well, I think you know the whole thing is like you know if we can take the time, we can slow down a little bit, have
1: conversations like this, and really think about um, you know what what the work could do and what it could be about and what it could like the potentiality of what it is, if we can think about that before we get to the weird mixed up space of it, leaving our space and going to somebody else's, you know, if we can have that front loaded in that conversation so that we are actually considering these things for whatever they end up being, um, as we're making the work, if we can see that the work is more than just to take one of my favorite phrases, um, uh, from art history, the, the, what, the donkey marks, the donkey strokes, <laughs> um, right? If it's more than just us putting those donkey strokes down onto the canvas, um, then... <laughs> <laughs> donkey strokes. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things. I, it's probably a poor German translation, um, but it's one of my fra- favorite phrases from art history.
0: Uns donkey strokes.
1: <laughs> but if we uh, you know if we're if we're concerned more with the totality of what a work can be within the reality of the world that we're in uh, and we're concerned less with only myopically looking at the skill or mm-hmm. expression or whatever else, then I think that when it comes time to actually start to let this stuff loose on the world, we actually could have a lot less concern. Yeah. We could have a lot less fear or anxiety about what it might be because we've we've
0: done the work. Yeah, so you know what it's going to be so you can rest easy on what effects it's going to render. There's fewer surprises, but there's more clarity. And in the clarity, I think humans are freer. Yeah, uh, clarity helps to promote freedom to choose in ways that I think are more um, enabling to good things. Yeah. If, if if you put it one way, I don't think it can solve all the problems. I don't think it's like the savior. No. But it it it's supportive of of this, you know, in a way.
1: Yeah. So, so. surprise, what we're yeah. saying at the end of the day is that the artists and designers should be thinking better about the things they do uh, because it's not never going to hurt your work if you're yeah. considering things more deeply
0: and to adjust your expectations to to I think embrace the amount of work it takes. And challenge yourself to not not succumb to the depression that follows an exhibition, yeah, you know, or or a big project. And I just think there's two things. I think everyone should own a piece of art yes. that somebody else made. Yes, that wasn't commercially generated from like Walmart. Yes. And I think every artist should give a couple things away, mm-hmm. out of the volition of knowing someone. So, which means you got to know somebody to know that they might want something and then you gotta live with them receiving it and possibly rejecting you and not really liking it as much as you'd like. Like I think it's really important to go through that because if you can work through that, you might be surprised and I think it will set some things at ease in your mind about selling, working, who collects it and, and whatnot. But I think, um, I don't think, I think selling art, let me just leave here to leave you with this. I think selling art happens because we, ha- we misunderstand the importance of art And so we desperately need artists to be supported. So we sell art, right? The truth is art is more important than whether it's sold or not sold. Mm -hmm. It means more. And so we compensate through sales, but if we were fully supported in an ideal world, we would give it away Yeah. because we would want to share it like a good meal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the thing is give it away, share it. I'm not saying you don't sell your art. I'm just saying somewhere in there. Um, I'm not saying give it to auction, you know, um, I'm saying, do it do it intentionally before someone asks. Find someone and say, "Would you like one of my my paintings?" Mm. I, you know, I think it would look good. I'd love for you to have it. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so. uh, you know, as a as a blunt antagonistic way of saying that is like, I think we should quit minimizing our work to a strictly economic activity. Yeah, Yep. that it actually yeah. is much more important than that. Yep. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. So yep. we left you with a whole lot of uh, grenades we've thrown in the room, and we're happy to <laughs> peace out as they start to blow up. Peace out, grenades. Um, but yeah, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, let us know, you know, if this was uh, something that resonated with, you, with with you, hit us or,
0: up, or or upset you. I was gonna say
1: if it's something that pissed you off, let yeah, us know. let us know. Uh, we're why happy. Not? It's a conversation. That's yeah. why we, you know, don't talk it on these things for fifteen minutes. We do it for an hour or more. Yeah. So yep. um As always, thank y'all so much your a fantastic audience. We Stay love safe. you all, uh, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.